Father God, I thank you for just another awesome privilege of being able to come before your throne of mercy and grace. I am so very grateful that you are indeed a God of mercy and grace. And you have shown us your mercy and grace in so many different ways. We are grateful for that. And Father, as we come around your word, Father, we acknowledge that your word is holy, that your word is powerful, that your word is living. And as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, it has all authority for our lives. Father, Jesus said true followers of his would abide in his word. And that's what we want to do this morning, is we want to simply come together as your people and abide in your word. So we are asking that through the preaching and the teaching of your word, that you would do a supernatural work in our lives today. Lord, as your word is held up and as we hold up Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray that you would work in our lives in whatever manner you choose to work, that you would put your finger on the area of our life that is in not complete obedience to you. Father, our desire is to walk in obedience before you. You have called us to be a holy people set apart from this world and set apart unto you. Let that be the cry of our heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, it's so good to see all of you here this morning, and I hope that to this point in the worship service, you've heard God already speaking and moving in your heart, in your life. You know, the Bible teaches us that true worship is worshiping God in spirit and in truth. It is our spirit connecting to God based on the truth of His Word. That's what it means to worship. So as we come together this morning, my desire as your pastor is to lead us in the understanding of the truth of God's word because I know that God has something great in store for us when we break open his word. I think sometimes we have diminished the importance of God's word in our hearts and lives as a body. We are to cling to the word of God. The Word of God ought to draw us unified together as a church. The Word of God should be something that we desire above everything that this world has to offer. We should hunger and desire for the Word of God. So if you have your Word this morning, whether it be a device or the Word like I have before me, I'm going to ask you to open them to 1 Timothy, the third chapter. Let me just share with you a little bit about where we're going, what's happening. Next Sunday morning, I'm going to be preaching a sermon about chronological Bible storing. That's going to kind of launch us into the new church year and prepare us for what God has in store for us. I'm convinced that God wants to use this in the life of our church to grow us more unified together 
as a spiritual body and to also bring our families together around the Word of God. Would you agree with this statement? There is nothing in the world that's more under attack of the enemy than families. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. I'm going to tell you what, sometimes I just think to myself, oh my goodness, he is doing such a good job in kill, stealing, and destroying our families in America. The reason I, as a pastor, I'm calling you to gather around the Word of God is because I believe the Word of God is powerful and living. I believe the Word of God has the ability to stir people's hearts, convict them, and draw them to who Jesus Christ is and the need for Him in their life. So I'm just hoping over the next year, we are just going to bathe our families in the Word of God as we come around it. No matter what place you find yourself as a family, children in the home, no children in the home, a single, married, whatever place you find yourself in, I want to challenge you as your pastor to come around the Word of God for the next 52 weeks. I'm trusting that God's going to do something great in our hearts and our lives. Now, I want you to hear me say this, all right? Just like I did this morning to the congregation that was here in the early service, I'm your biggest cheerleader. And this is what I want you to hear me say. You can do it, all right? Even if you miss a couple of days in a week, don't give up. Keep persevering. Remain faithful to the end. Continue on, all right? That is, I'm going to cheer you on every single week to take your family to the Word of God. Now, last week, if you were here on Sunday morning, we started into a very important process here at Crestwood Baptist Church. We began the process of looking for deacons or looking for men who would be qualified to serve as deacons here at Crestwood. Now, I shared with you last Sunday morning that there are really two passages of Scripture we look to in the New Testament to guide us concerning the role of deacon in the church. One passage we looked at last Sunday morning. Does anybody remember what that passage was? It was Acts, the sixth chapter. I shared with you, I believe, in that chapter we see the establishment of the role of deacon in the early church. And as we looked at that passage and we heard the words of Luke recorded under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we learned two very important truths last week as a church body. I want to quickly just refresh your mind of those that we learned last Sunday morning. The first truth that we learned was this. We learned the effectiveness of a man's spiritual leadership in the church is directly linked to and dependent on his connectedness to the body. All right, take a deep breath. All right, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? So let me share it with you one more time. I want you to listen carefully to what it is that I said. The first truth we've learned last week, we learned the effectiveness of a man's spiritual leadership within the body of Christ is directly linked to and dependent on his connectedness to the body. 
Do you remember the story we looked at last week? The apostles told the body of Christ to choose what? Seven men from among you who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and of good rapport. By the very virtue, they knew these men were full of the Holy Spirit, wisdom and of good reputation, speaks of how closely they were connected to the body of Christ. I mean, think about it. How else in the world would have the body of Christ known that these men were full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom if they had not been living daily within the body of Christ? Do you see that? There is no way they would have known that. Very clearly, Luke says, choose from among you men who is full of wisdom, the Holy Spirit, and good rapport. As we look for qualified men to serve as deacons, I am convinced the starting point is to look for men who are faithfully committed to the body of Christ here at Crestwood Baptist Church. Are they involved in Sunday morning worship services? Are they a part of a small group Bible study that meets here on Sundays? Wednesdays, are they involved involved in midweek services? Are they connected? Are they serving? Are they a part of Bible study? Now listen to me, this is very important. Hear what I'm going to say here. A man who is full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom doesn't need to be convinced of the importance of gathering with the body he has coveted with in membership. Now you say, well, how do you know that, Brother Jeff? Because he's full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. And the man who is full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit will keep the covenants that they have made. They are led of the Spirit of God. They are full of the wisdom of God. And they will walk in that way. Do you see? So the first truth that we learned is this. We learn the effectiveness of a man's leadership is directly linked to and dependent on his connectedness to the body. Think about it for a moment. How can a man truly sense what the Holy Spirit is doing among a body, the body of Christ, if he's not connected to the body? If he's not connected to the body. I would submit to you this morning, he cannot. He cannot. unless he's a part of the body of Christ. The second truth that we learned in this passage of Scripture was this. These men were chosen for a role of serving within the body. They provided leadership through serving, not being administrators of the church. Not by dealing with the business of the church. Not by representing the church body to the staff of the church. That is not the role of a deacon. It is very clearly outlined for us in Scripture when we look at that story. The role of the deacon was a role of serving within the body. 
You see, sometimes I think we fail to understand why it is that God at times chooses not to bless His church. And what I have noticed at times is sometimes church thrusts men into a role that God has never clearly outlined for them in the Bible. And then we wonder when we take a step back, why is not God not blessing the church? And the reason God is not blessing the church, it is utterly impossible for God to bless the church if we don't follow God's will according to Scripture. Amen? That's the truth of Scripture, folks. God cannot bless a people who is disobedient to Him. And if we are not following God's Word for our lives... We are walking in disobedience before the Lord. Clearly, Scripture says these men were, were chosen to provide leadership to the church in serving. They were to be an example of who Jesus Christ was. So this morning, I want us to turn our attention to this second passage of Scripture that I shared with you about last week that provides guidance for us concerning the role of deacon in the church body. It is found here in 1 Timothy, the third chapter. Now, I believe the church body as a whole has a role to play in the selection of deacons. We should, as a church body, join together in prayer, on our knees before the Lord, seeking the Lord's face, clearly asking that God would reveal to us those men who meet the qualifications of God's Word. We as a church have a responsibility to lay every man's life against the Word of God to see if he measures up to who it is that God says he should be as a deacon or serve in that role of the church. That is our responsibility. However, I would tell you, though, at the same time, every single man has a role to play in the selection of deacons. And this is the role that every single man has to play. Am I qualified? Am I qualified not according to what the, word, the world says. Am I quali qualified according to what God's word says? Let me say something this morning, folks. God's criteria for leadership in his church has not changed. He has not moved the goalposts concerning leadership in the church. But what some churches have done is they have chosen to move the goalpost concerning leadership in God's church. So this morning I want us to take into consideration the words of the Apostle Paul. And I want to begin by giving this caveat this morning. When I read verses 8 through 13 of this passage of Scripture in a few moments to you, you're going to stand up and, or you're going to stand back and you're going to say, Oh my goodness, Brother Jeff, that is utterly impossible for any man to live up to. And do you know what I would tell you? You are exactly right. You are exactly right. However, 
in the power of the Holy Spirit at work, field full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom were the men that were chosen. It is possible to live out this text in a man's life. So this morning what I would like to do is to give you four different areas where a man needs to stop and examine himself to see if he is qualified. Four different areas that I believe Paul clearly outlines for us in these verses of Scripture. The first area that I believe Paul is going to give us is this, a man's reputation. Listen to what Paul says here in the opening verse of this passage of Scripture. He says, Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. I believe that each of these speaks to the reputation of a deacon. In Dr. Tony Wolf's book titled A Deacon on Purpose, he says that a church's reputation in the community is often directly connected to its deacon's reputation in the community. Every leader, pastor and deacon alike, is a walking, talking reflection of the body of Christ that they lead. To some degree, we as leaders represent the church body to our community. That's what Paul is saying here. You notice how, 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 how this connects to what Luke said in chapter 6 of the book of Acts? Do you remember what the apostles told the, the body of Christ there in chapter 6 of the book of Acts last week? They said, choose for you or choose from among you seven men who are what? Of good report. Above reproach. Blameless is what the Apostle Paul, or what Luke said in the passage of Scripture. Now, I shared with you last week the meaning of that word report or above reproach. It actually means this in a very practical way. Even if someone would leveled an accusation against one of these men, no one would have believed it. You know why? Because of the life that had been lived before the body of Christ. They were men full of the Holy Spirit. They were men full of wisdom. They were men of good reputation. And the body of Christ knew it because they had seen it. Do you see that? There was no doubt in their mind. Even if someone outside the church would have made an accusation against those men, not one church member would have, uh, would have believed it. You know why? Because they were daily living their life before the body of Christ. Paul said here in this passage of Scripture, deacons must be dignified. That word dignified means worthy of respect. You know, there's a difference between a person commanding respect and being worthy of respect. The man who is worthy of respect never has to command the respect of anyone. His life very clearly says he is a man of respect. People recognize that about him. And as a result, people show him 
respect. Paul goes on in this passage of Scripture. He says not only must a man be dignified, he says he must not be double-tongued. This word double-tongued carries the idea of caring about people. But not just caring about people with your words, but caring about people through your actions. You see, the man who is not double-tongued is the man who doesn't say one thing and live a different way. His actions are consistent with the words that he speaks from his mouth. It is very clear and evident. He is not double-tongued. Now listen to what else he says here. He says he's not addicted to much wine. Let me ask you a question this morning, men. What about your sobriety. I will tell you this morning, I have never seen a time when drinking contributed to the Great Commission work. However, I can tell you many times where I saw it diminish Great Commission work. Let me illustrate it to you like this. In the first church that I pastored, I went to visit a man in our community. I knew that he was lost. I knew he didn't know Jesus Christ. I'd had a number of different conversations. I went over to his home one day when he was there, and I sat down, and I shared the gospel message with him. That man looked at me, and he said to me, You know, Brother Jeff, I'm really not that much different than any of, the people, any of the other people down there at that church house. He said, as a matter of fact, I sat out in front of my house last weekend and had a beer with one of your deacons. You see, I'm not really any different than he is. You see what I'm saying? We can sit around and argue over degrees of liberty that we have as believers. But I believe deacons should be willing to abstain from some things in life in order to see God's kingdom fathered. Social drinking has no place in the life of a deacon. When you have deacons who drink in public, it sends a very important message to the community that your church is located in. The last thing that the Apostle Paul says here in this passage of Scripture is not greedy for dishonest gain. In other words, the deacon should be generous. Let me ask you a question this morning, man. Are you a generous giver to the work of God? You know, here at Crestwood Baptist Church, we teach the importance of practicing stewardship through tithing. Are you being a good steward of what God has given you through the practice of tithing? The first area that Paul says that we need to take a step back and examine our lives, men, is in the area of our reputation. Qualified or disqualified? 
The second area that Paul is going to point out is the area of faith in the life of a man. Listen to what he says here in verse 9. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Essentially what Paul is saying is this, as a man of God, are you doctrinally sound? The word mystery here means truth that was once hidden, but now has been clearly revealed by God. The doctrines of the faith are hidden from those who are outside the faith, but can easily be understood by those who have trusted the Lord. This is where I believe it starts for a man concerning his faith. Do you hold to the truth of God's Word? Do you hold to the truth of God's Word? Is the Word of God the guide for your life? A deacon who does not know the Word of God is a hindrance to the progress of God's church. Every deacon should be able to give a reason for the hope that they have in Christ Jesus. Now, please don't misunderstand me when I say this right here. I'm not saying that a deacon has to have a degree in systematic theology. That's not what I'm meaning. I'm not saying that he has to be a professional Christian apologist. That's not what I'm meaning either. But what I will tell you is this. He needs to be firm in the faith. His life needs to be built on the foundation of God's Word. As a matter of fact, me and I would say this, the very starting place for you and I is to ask ourselves this question. Can I clearly articulate my faith with someone else? If I can clearly articulate my faith with someone else, someone else, are we doing it? Are we doing it? If a man doesn't find it important enough to tell someone about who Jesus Christ is, should we really entrust him with the spiritual things of God's church? Should we? When we consider the area of faith, what about it, men? Qualified or disqualified? Paul is going to present to us a third area. The third area that he's going to present to us is the area of faithfulness. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in verse 10. And let them also, that is deacons, be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. They prove themselves blameless. The Bible is full of men who were tested and proved and found to be faithful. Joseph served 13 years as a servant before God ever elevated him over the nation of Egypt. Moses served 40 years in the wilderness tending his sheep and his father-in-law's sheep. Don't think that it went unnoticed by God before God ever called him from a burning bush to lead the children of Israel 
out of Egypt. David was tending his father's sheep out in the pasture when Samuel showed up and tried to anoint the other brothers that were sitting at home. David was faithful in the small things. He was tested and proved and showed himself to be faithful. And as a result of that, God elevated him, anointed him as king over the nation of Israel. But not until he showed himself to be faithful in the small things. Amen. Listen, folks. If a man cannot be faithful to join the body of Christ whom he has called, been called to lead in worship, how can we expect that man to lead us spiritually as God's church? Can we? Listen, folks, I think it is so important for us to understand the qualifications that Paul gives us here in this passage of Scripture is not what we hope men will become once they become deacons. These should clearly be seen in the life of a deacon before they're ever chosen to be deacon in a church. That's what Scripture says. These are the qualifications. I'm reminded of what one of my seminary professors told us when we were in the work of the pastor. When we went, took that class at seminary, he said, Men... Every 30 days, you are to sit down and read the qualifications of what it means to be an elder in God's church. And then this is what he said. This is the reason why. Those never stop applying to your life in your leadership role in God's church. It's not all of a sudden we just arrive one day and they no longer are applicable to our lives. These are the qualifications that should be seen in the life of every man as he walks as a deacon in God's church. And as we look for men, these are the qualifications we should see in their life. Hallelujah, amen. We should look and we should say, oh my goodness, there is a man who is qualified. He stands head and shoulders above the rest of the men. As I look at what God says here in His Word, it is very clearly to me that He meets all of the qualifications of what it means to be a deacon. In my time in the ministry... I've heard well-meaning brothers and sisters in Christ make this statement. Perhaps if we choose a man who's not faithful, maybe if we put him in a role of leadership, one day he will become faithful. Listen, folks. Do you know what that speaks of? That speaks of ignorance of the person and ignorance of the Word of God. That's what it speaks of. area of faithfulness qualified or disqualified the last area that Paul's going to deal with in this text is the area of home life 
I want you to listen to what it says. Just skip verse 11. We're going to jump back up there in a minute. I want you to hear what it says here in verse 12. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. I can't think of any verse of Scripture in the church that has caused more division than that verse of Scripture. There are some people on this side of the aisle who says a deacon should never, ever, ever be divorced for any reason. And then there's some on the other side of the aisle who says, oh, no, that's not what it means. A man can be divorced five or six times, and he can be a deacon. Can I tell you they're both wrong? That is not the meaning of this passage of Scripture at all. As a matter of fact, if you look this up in the Greek and you pull it out of this passage of Scripture, this is clearly what it says, that he should be a one-woman kind of man, wholly devoted to one single woman is what it means. Actually, it doesn't even speak about divorce in that passage of Scripture. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't take into consideration the married life of a man. That's not what I'm saying at all. Surely, the number of times a man has been divorced can, not always, but can speak to their character and their spiritual leadership in the home. That is true, but that is not what this passage of Scripture is dealing with. I would say, if you want to ask yourself the question about whether a man should be divorced and apply it to this passage of Scripture, you do a whole lot better to apply it down where it says managing their children in their own household well. And the reason I say that is for this reason. If a man is divorced with children and those children are not living in his home, it's going to be hard to raise them in the admonition of the Lord what God's Word has called for them to do. Do you see what I'm saying? What Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture is a deacon is a man who is a faithful, wise leader of his home in a spiritual sense. That's what it says. Now jump back up with me because I will say something to you. I have met men that fulfill all of these qualifications, and yet they are still disqualified according to God's Word. You say, all right, well, what do you mean, Brother Jeff? Well, he's going to have some words to say about some deacons' wives in here as well. Let's don't lose sight of that. You see, a man's wife is a direct reflection of his spiritual leadership in the home. So what does Paul do in this passage of Scripture? He says, oh, wow, look right here. The wives likewise must be dignified, worthy of respect. What kind of woman is she? Is she one of those kinds of women whose reputation precedes her? Not in a good way. Not in a good way. Wives, likewise, must be dignified. Now get this next word. Not slanderers. Do you know what that means? A deacon's wife should not be a gossip. That's what it means. 
I have met deacons' wives who maliciously attack and rip people's character apart. And I can tell you that right now. That disqualifies a man from being a deacon. Listen, folks. That is not according to me. That is according to the Word of God. You see, I think at times we've just kind of moved off of the center of God's Word. But can I tell you, God hasn't moved off the center of His Word. It still has all authority for the life of the believer. She must be not be a slanderer, sober-minded. Now get this right here. Faithful in all things. A man is disqualified if his wife is not faithful in God's church, according to Scripture. The most important word there is this. All things. All is what it says. Do you see what I'm saying? She should be as faithful as him. You know why? If she not, it, di- it directly reflects on his spiritual leadership in the home. Take a deep breath with me. Let me just say this real quick, all right? When the deacons came to me and they said, Brother Jeff, we want to start the process of looking for deacons within the church body. I said, well, I think what we really need to do is take a step back and we need to spend some time in prayer to see if this is where God really wants us to go. And then when they said, Brother Jeff, this is where God wants us to go. At that moment in time, I said, okay, Lord, I will faithfully preach God's word to God's people. And if people are upset, it's not because they're upset with me. They're upset with God and his word. I can honestly say I have been faithful to the text of God's word concerning what a deacon should be in God's word. Not according to my standard, but according to the standard of God's word. I have been faithful to that. I have been faithful. I never ever want to preach God's word out of anger. I always want to preach God's word with a redemptive quality. But at the same time, I want to preach the whole counsel of God's word to God's people. That's the desire of my heart. Now here it is, men. This is where it boils down. Are you the spiritual leader of your home? What's most important to you? Having your children involved in all of the activities of the community on Sunday or being at God's house worshiping with your family, your spiritual family? What's most important to you? Are you the spiritual leader of your home or is your wife the spiritual leader of your home? 
Are you making the greatest investment in the life of your children? A spiritual investment. Have you made your home an altar unto the Lord where you are fulfilling your command to raise your children in the admonition of the Lord that has been given to every father, not to the church, but to fathers to raise their children in the admonition of the Lord? Are you leading spiritually in your home? A deacon is the spiritual leader of his home. If a man cannot lead his home spiritually, why would we entrust him to lead us as God's church spiritually? Do you see what I'm saying? That would be crazy, wouldn't it? Deacons are to set the example of what it looks like to manage their children well and their households well. Now let me say this very clearly, guys. That doesn't mean that we won't have a child that may go astray at times. That's not what I'm saying. Let's not lose sight of the fact first two children ever created in the world had a perfect father and they fail. All right? That's not what I'm meaning. But I would remind you, these are character traits of a man who is to be a deacon in God's church. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be all of that, not because of who we are, but because of the work of the Spirit in us. But you see, it takes us being completely controlled by the Spirit of God. They were men controlled by the Spirit, full of the Spirit, and full of wisdom. That is what Scripture says. As a result, this was what was evident in their life. The Apostle Paul, he challenges us men to examine the areas of our life, to look at our reputation, to look at our faith, to look at our faithfulness, and to look at our home life and to take a step back and ask ourselves the question, as I evaluate my life along the Word of God, am I truly what God is calling me to be? That is the question. As I close, let me say this, folks. Deacon selection in the church it's not a popularity contest. It's not a time for us to show favoritism to our friend or to our family member. It's not a time for us to come together as a church and examine a man's resume or his pedigree. According to Scripture, it is a time for us to get on our knees before the Lord, to cry out to a holy God, make it very clear to us those men who have this kind of character. You see, I believe the real question is this. The real question is not whether my name was submitted as a candidate for deacon. I don't think that's the question. I think the real question is Am I qualified to be a deacon 
in God's church. As I look at the Word of God and I lay my life next to it, is that what I demonstrate? Is it the bent of my life? Father God, we thank you for the Word, the truth of your Word, Lord. And I pray that we have always that we have all received it with a right heart, Lord, allowing you to speak truth into our lives, really challenging us men to stop and examine our lives to see if we are fulfilling what God's word has called us to fulfill. Father, this passage of scripture is challenging for me because just before that, Lord. Is the qualifications of a pastor. So, Father, this is a challenge for all of us men to see if we are being the men that you have called us to be. Father God, we give you this time of invitation and pray that you would work in your perfect way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.